Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and I'm back with another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I know I've been out for a little bit, had to take a little vacation, but I'm back and I'm joined by none other than your favorite beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And for this episode, Chris is gearing up for a trip to Philly on the second game of a back-to-back after the Cavs lost to the Magic on Thursday. Chris, are you all packed? God, no, not yet. I'll uh, I'll pack after this podcast before I go to bed. That's insane. I know I'm slow at packing, but it's 11.40 at night. and At the very least, I have the stuff in mind that I need to pack. And look, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything along those lines, Ethan. But I'm going to toot my own horn. I have become a master packer at this point in time because I pack so much throughout the course of an NBA season. It only takes me probably about 20 minutes to pack a suitcase at this point. Even for like a three-game road trip? That's insane. Yeah, I I got it. It's easy now. Well, all right, Chris. And we mentioned a little bit of dysfunction when it came to the Cavs' loss to the Magic, but I think it's more willing to be classified as an ugly loss. But I want to get into what I missed over the last week before we dive into the games coming up and the one that happened tonight. As everyone knows, it was All-Star Weekend, and there was little to no competition at all. It was dreadful to watch. The most entertaining event for the entire weekend to me was the three-point contest, and I'm talking about the WNBA versus NBA with Sabrina Ionescu and Stephen Curry. I mean, Chris, I just want to get your thoughts on the overall All-Star experience first before we even get into this event. Oh, I mean, it was horrible. Look, if, if the players are going to treat it as if it's a joke, everybody is going to understand that it's a joke. And for me, like, there are certain things that you see throughout the course of an all-star game that are really, really exciting, that are a showcase of just how talented these guys are. Dame shooting from the logo and making it, it looked like a layup for that guy. I mean, that was unbelievable to see that level of range. Steph Curry doing crazy shots. That's always fun. That's always exciting. Tyrese Halliburton making five threes in a row, doing it with a big smile on his face. That mini run that he went on that electrified the building. That was fun, too. But like those moments to me were overshadowed by the fact that nobody took it seriously. Nobody played any defense. 
there was a level of competition that was lacking from this year's All-Star, even compared to some past ones. You know, there was a stretch about five, six years ago, Ethan, where some of the guys were talking about, we got to do something to make it more competitive. We've got to play a little bit more defense. We can't have it be a complete showcase where you're just playing pickup at a gym or something along those lines. And, you know, for brief stretches in past All-Stars, there have been like moments of competitiveness, moments of defense, moments of taking it seriously. I mean, the entire All-Star game this year was just a complete joke because there weren't any of those kinds of moments throughout where it was, okay, let's crouch down into a defensive stance. Let's try to make it a little bit more competitive. Let's try to make it more like a regular season basketball game. You don't have to be on one end of the spectrum or the complete other end of the spectrum in terms of how seriously you want to take this thing. There has to be some middle ground. And this year's All-Star game had absolutely no middle ground. Yeah, I mean, seeing the score run up to 200 points, I mean, we talk about it jokingly about how it could happen in a regular season game with how the players are scoring. But to see it actually happen in the NBA All-Star game, it kind of made me sick to my stomach because you like, oh, well, I know we were joking, but if they think they can do this now, then they might actually try and do it again. And, I mean, the other thing that was funny to me was Cat Carl Anthony Towns having 50 points and yet again losing. <laughs> it, it feels like that guy can't catch a break when it comes to having good nights. And uh, that's just something that we'll have to keep an eye on going forward with the Timberwolves. But I wanted to get back into this event that happened before the actual game. And we'll get into the game in that aspect a little bit more a little bit later. But Steph ended up coming away with the dub against Sabrina. But it was a close contest. And Sabrina definitely proved that it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. If you can shoot it, you can shoot it. I think the biggest thing for me was Kenny the Jet comments on Sabrina needing to shoot from the WNBA three-point line, my question would be, why? Even when shooting from the NBA three-point line, she would have made it to the finals in the actual three-point shootout that saw Damian Lillard walk away with his second title in as many years. Sabrina was phenomenal and even made Steph, arguably the greatest shooter of all time, nervous. That says something. It felt like to me that she was proving that the WNBA needs more recognition because there are athletes that have the capabilities to perform at as as high, if not higher levels than players in the NBA in certain categories. I remember covering the LA Sparks when I was in Los Angeles, and although the team was struggling, the games were still up-tempo, intense, and most importantly, the people who came to watch were engaged and the arena was always rocking. I think the Jets' comments did an injustice to Sabrina's performance by saying that she would have been better off if she had shot from a little bit closer, especially when she had the same output, if not better, than multiple participants in the three-point contest. And I hate to break it to some haters, but that includes Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell. I would understand Kenny's take maybe if she didn't have such a great showing, but she killed it. And you can't take that away from Sabrina. No, you can't. And I thought Kenny had a bad night. And I thought that was a situation where TNT made a mistake as well. You should have had 
another female there to just provide a different perspective, see that event through a different lens, and provide them with the platform to explain just how significant that moment was to see Sabrina against Steph and and what that could mean moving forward as well. And the fact that they didn't was unfortunate, especially because on top of that, you had Kenny saying some dumb things and he did not have a great night when it came to his broadcasting. Unfortunately, everybody has bad nights from time to time. But but I just thought his his comments about that situation specifically were completely unnecessary. Luckily, it to me, it didn't take away from just how how sweet that was to to witness that and and see how engaged people were on social media watching that and see how the fans responded to that in the arena. And I talked about this on a recent podcast, Ethan, that for Steph Curry, it just shows why he is so important to the game and why he has been so important to the game over the last decade plus. Not only has he revolutionized basketball, not only has he turned so many casual fans into fans that pay more attention because stylistically he's so fun to watch and he draws the kind of casual fan that few other guys in the history of the league have been able to, but like, For him, he is arguably the greatest shooter of all time. And if he loses that event to Sabrina, obviously social media is going to go crazy. Maybe he becomes a meme. Who knows? The bottom line is there are certain guys around the NBA that have accomplished everything that Steph has accomplished in his career that simply wouldn't participate in a contest like that because they would look at the downside of losing it. You know what I mean? And, and he didn't look at the downside of losing it. Number one, he was confident in himself that he was going to win the thing because he's such a great shooter. But he knew what it would mean moving forward for him and for the rest of the NBA and the WNBA and females that were just watching. He recognized that and he looked at all of the upside rather than focusing on the downside. And I give Steph so much credit for doing that because I think there are so many other guys that, that just would have balked at that because of, of what it could have meant in terms of criticism had he lost. Yeah, Chris, and I think you hit on it perfectly. I swear you you wrote what I had bullet pointed. But You're then, spending too much time around me, Ethan. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> I, man, you're rubbing off on me, man. That might be a good sign. <laughs> Ten-year vet and, and a newbie. I, 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 I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that. <laughs> uh, but the competition between Sabrina and Steph not only brought – so much to the eye for what Steph has done, but also what Sabrina is doing. And she's new to the WNBA. It already is a face of the WNBA. And it brought in a new variety of viewers as young players and especially young women hoopers may have tuned in to watch Steph as he's an idol to all and ended up gaining a new respect for Sabrina and potentially wanting to watch more WNBA games. That's huge. I think the showcase needs to continue going forward if the All-Star game continues because, like I said, every other event was horrendous, to be frank. I went two for two on my predictions leading into the weekend, predicting that Dame would repeat and Matt McClung would also reclaim his dunk contest crown. Those felt like obvious picks. And the three-point contest 
wasn't all that bad with Trey Young and Carl Anthony Towns being finalists, but it didn't have the same hype as Larry Bird winning it in his warmups or Stephen Clay going at it. But more importantly, the dunk contest stunk. And I think a lot of people are blaming Jalen Brown, and obviously his dunks were far from spectacular, but being the only all-star to compete in the event since 2017 gives me some respect for him because we need other stars competing in it to be interesting. Can you imagine having Zion Williamson, Ja Morant, and Anthony Edwards compete in a dunk contest? Like you've mentioned, and like you mentioned today, that there doesn't seem to be enough of a reward for big-name stars to compete, especially with the potential of underperforming in the bright lights. I understand this opinion, but in all honesty, that's why Jalen Brown doing it was big for me. He knew there was a potential to lose, but still competed maybe as a hope to draw other All-Stars out. That's the same thing with Steph and Sabrina. There was always the pressure for Steph to lose, but that's what made it great and also made Sabrina's performance even better because she pushed him to be exceptional. You got to see Steph be the greatest shooter of all time under pressure going second and having to perform. That's supposed to be what the All-Star game and the All-Star events are all about competing against the best players in the world, but it seems like these stars are a little scared to lose their credibility because of a loss. But that's what the Dominic Wilkins and Michael Jordan and Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine dunk contest made so entertaining because they pushed each other to new heights and to do things that nobody had ever seen. Kobe Bryant guarding LeBron James the length of the court in an all-star game is another example. We saw in the Redeem Team documentary that Kobe was in love with the art of defense. And you got to see that that team kind of rallied around him going to workouts in the morning and doing those things to kind of get to the next level and redeem the USA team. But in today's game, it's like there's an opportunity to play against the best or someone you don't get to match up with on a regular basis that makes the game special. And these guys just aren't taking advantage of it. And the 200-point scoring and the literal no defense makes me upset, especially after watching a Cavs team that prides itself on defense all season. It's brought a new respect for me for that end of the floor and the art of getting over screens, switching, and point-of-attack defense. But I think we can agree on the best way to quote-unquote fix the all-star game itself and I think it's rather simple and something we've mentioned previously team world versus team USA so it's something fun I'm gonna let you pick which team you want to draft for and we'll pick the first seven players for each squad and see who the subscribers and listeners thinks can win we can do based on who was selected this year but I want to clarify one thing before we start Chris are we considering Joel Embiid on Team USA or Team World? Team World. This isn't the Olympics. All right. So which team do you want? You want Team USA? You want Team World? I'll take Team World. Are you kidding me? That's easy. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Jeez. I'll probably forget some because nowadays it's a real thing and it goes deeper than just like the top five guys and then some drastic fall off. You know what I mean? 
the depth of, of the international pool in the NBA beyond the fact that many of the top players in the league are international players to begin with. The depth of the international player in the NBA is what they were hoping to get it to and what it has never been before. I agree. And I know you might need to pull up the all-star selections from this year. So I'm going to go first and give you some time to look over who you might be picking. Is it only guys that made the all-star game? Because there were like some international guys that were snubbed. Right. So I, I was trying to make it simpler and just do it based on who we had this year selected. But if you want to do free reign, I mean, go ahead. But okay, that, that's the other thing, because I'm like Kyrie Irving spent most of his life in the U.S., but he was born in Australia. So, OK, he would play for Team United States for that one. Don't don't mind if I do. I'll be taken. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to go based on the players that were selected this year, just because I have that list pulled up in front of me. At my one, I'm going to go Stephen Curry. At my two, I'm going to go Paul George. At my three, I'm going to go Jason Tatum. At my four, I'm going to go LeBron James. And at my five, I'm going to go with Bam Adebayo. And then I got two more, and I need... Oof. Take AD. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm just like, but I got to figure out if I want to go for my seven, if I want to go Dame, or if I want to go Anthony Edwards. Did you say Donovan yet? No, I haven't. So you're not taking Dame or Anthony Edwards over Donovan. There's no way. How would you do that? How could you do that? that that's a good point because we agree that Dame shouldn't have been uh, selected over Donovan. So, all right, so I'll go... Goodness. So I'll go Anthony Davis and Donovan Mitchell. We've talked about this a lot during this podcast. That's what makes this so difficult. Like, you have to literally look at a list and be like, I'm leaving off Anthony Edwards. I'm leaving off Kawhi Leonard. I'm leaving off Jalen Brunson. Like, these are guys that have made impacts on all their teams, and you got to think of the skill set, the size, all of those things. But that's my seven. Go ahead, Chris. I don't give a crap about any of that other stuff that you just said. Luka, Shea, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis. Done. Over with. <laughs> Simple. I don't care about positions. I don't care about any of that stuff. You'll say, just go get, go get me a bucket. Just go get me a bucket. <laughs> yes. What are we doing about Paolo? Does he count for international or is he American? I mean, you didn't take him, obviously. No, but, I didn't. I mean, he could probably be both. I, I don't know. I can leave him off. If we're gonna, yeah, I was gonna say if we're gonna leave Joel with Team World. Then I think Paulo Team World. Are we doing that? Cause he he's Italian American. No, I'm not giving you Paulo. All right, <laughs> that's fine. Okay, so then I just need two reserves. I don't think like anybody else. Yeah, I don't think anybody else made the All Star game. Do I get Cat? You can take Cat. Actually, I'd rather you have Paolo than Cat. Is that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I would rather you have Paolo than Cat, just because of the spacing of the floor. I mean, he's Dominican Republic. So, all right, then Cat would be my sixth, and then my seventh is between Sabonis, who got snubbed, which is awesome. Wemby, hello. Oh my goodness, boy! Just take just take Paolo and Carl and be out, man. <laughs> 
I'm so sick right now. This is like, and, and it's crazy to say this. Like, you look at that team, and Team World just seems stacked. And then, yeah, and it would be fun. It, it would be a lot of fun. But then you also look at what happened this All Star game. My final spot debate would be between Wemby, Markinen, who didn't make it, Sabonis, and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray stands out to me too. He didn't make it. Wow, yeah, He's Canadian. There's got to be somebody else that I'm missing that somebody's going to listen to this podcast and be like, you idiot. You forgot this guy. <laughs> just, like, just like the tweet today. You you don't know ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Porzingis. Porzingis would be an option for me. Good God. Chris, stop he it. didn't make it. Stop it. Stop it, please. But that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, they could do this this year or this upcoming year in a way they couldn't in the past because – you know, if you're filling an international team of all-stars, like, you almost only have, like, seven or eight in past years. You know what I mean? And then you're just, you're convincing yourself that the other four kind of, sort of, actually belong. Now you don't have to convince yourself that the other guys actually belong, right? If anything, you might have some snubs there because there's so many and because the depth of international talent in the NBA is more than what it's ever been. Yeah, and going back to my point earlier, like the West this year looked really, really nice, and then the East just sweated it out. Like, so we'll have to just see if this Team USA team that's going up against this Team World team that looks really, really nice could pull it out. So that's something that you guys can debate in the subtext or in our comments or on YouTube or wherever and tell us who you would have selected. But we're going to take a quick break. But before then, I have to put y'all on to something new. For our listeners, if you like food and drinks, and who doesn't, Cleveland.com is breaking new ground with our lively new podcast about dining and drinking in the greater Cleveland area. The hosts talk about the latest foodie happenings, joined by the most in-the-know experts in town. It's called Dine, Drink, CLE. And you can find it anywhere you download podcasts. Give it a listen, quench your thirst, and feed that appetite. When we come back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, we're going to discuss the game against the Orlando Magic on Thursday night and how that could be a preview of what's to come for the Cavs for the remainder of the season. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with me and Chris by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash calves and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the calves from Chris and me. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back. The Cavs got a little reality check on Thursday and a potential preview of their grueling schedule ahead with a loss to a physical Orlando Magic team. Chris, to me, it felt like the Cavs were undersized a majority of the game. Like you saw different matchups with Darius Garland, sometimes guarding Jonathan Isaac. Uh, You saw Mo Wagner being able to bully Evan Mobley on the interior. It just seemed like whenever the ball was in the Cavs' hands, it wasn't for very long because the Orlando Magic was just in the passing lanes and being disruptive and being physical. And it looked like what exactly the Cavs have been doing for the first half of the season. What did you make of this contest? Look, I think there are a couple of things that we have to point out here. Number one, and this this isn't a bunch of excuses for the way that the Cavs played. It's providing the whole picture of the actual game itself. Uh, Number one, it was the first game following the All-Star break. Number two, Donovan Mitchell did not play. Donovan has become the tone setter for this team. Donovan plays with an intensity, a ferocity, and a maturity to his game that the Cavs were certainly lacking tonight against a team in Orlando that they needed that against. Darius Garland, for all of the great things that he did tonight, and all the flashes that he showed of of getting back to his old self, especially the way that he played in the second half when he started looking more comfortable, he started looking to be more aggressive, trying to find his shot, while at the same time setting up his teammates. There's like there's still a level of immaturity to his game. There's still a level where you wonder if it's ready for this type of game. You know what I mean? Orlando is tough, Orlando's physical, Orlando's grabby, Orlando, as J.B. Bickerstaff said following the game, they're very physical at the point of attack, they foul a lot, some of it gets called, some of it doesn't get called, so it's just, like, stylistically, Darius is not Donovan Mitchell, and I thought the Cavs could have used some of the things that, that make Donovan so important to the team tonight. Not having him was a big deal especially in this particular matchup. There were also some like outlier things that happened throughout the course of the game. Cavs got 22 threes. It's the second fewest that they've taken all season long. They had 19 turnovers. That's the second most or third most that they've committed all season long. So I just think we have to point out all of those things. In saying that, if you're looking for things that make you a little bit worried about the Cavs moving forward, I think two of them showed up a little bit tonight. I think number one, they aren't the biggest team. They aren't the strongest team. They aren't the most physical team at a variety of different positions, right? They have a non-traditional undersized backcourt most nights with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Max Struess is a six foot five shooting guard that is masquerading as a small forward out of necessity for the Cavs. Like he'll have a hard time with some of the length and some of the athleticism that he may see on the wing against some of these kinds of teams. And, you know, Mo Wagner is a big physical dude who was treated like Shaq tonight by the referees. And if he's going to get treated like Shaq tonight, he's 
probably going to overwhelm physically Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And and you saw a little bit of that as well. The other thing is <laughs> the Cavs are now 13 and 16, Ethan, against teams that are either playoff bound or play inbound, or to put it a better way, above 500. Now, that number requires perspective, right? Because some of those losses came at the beginning of the year. Some of those losses came when Donovan Mitchell was out of the lineup, Darius Garland out of the lineup with a hamstring injury, trying to figure out Max Struess, trying to figure out George Niang, trying to get this new offense to play the way that JB ultimately wanted it to play. Like a lot of factors go into that. But 13 and 16 against teams above 500, at the very least, it has to raise your antenna a little bit. Yeah, and I think what I saw before the game when it was announced that Donovan Mitchell was going to be out was a lot of different fans being like, all right, it's Darius Garland time. Darius Garland's about to drop 35 points plus or do all of these things. Put him in your parlay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a betting man when it comes to parlays, but that that would have been something I would have done. But now, maybe now, folks will realize that Donovan Mitchell elevates the game of everyone around him. And this was the first game that Darius Garland was without minute restrictions. So sure, he might have been a little fatigued. He might have been a little out of shape coming back from the All-Star break. All of these things. Right. Great. You can make those excuses if you want to. Darius Garland in pregame at shoot-around asked for 30 minutes plus tonight. He got him. He got the most minutes of any player on the Cavs team. He had a double-double for the first time this season, 18 and 10, but he was not able to lead the Cavs to a win down the stretch. And none of the Cavs players had over 20 points in the game. Only one player on the entire floor tonight had over 20 points. Mo Wagner, off the bench. A nightmare. And Darius Garland had three points in the first half, I believe. You have to really consider how much someone can bring to a team. And I'm not even talking about the points or the assists or any of those things. Like, the confidence that Donovan Mitchell instills in his players. Like, you saw Evan Mobley be hesitant with shooting threes tonight. You saw Isaac Okoro be hesitant with shooting threes tonight. You saw Darius Garland wanting to do so much that he started turning the ball over. It was to the point where there was a stretch of plays and possessions where the Cavs simply could not hold on to the ball. It was either Jared Allen throwing the ball out of bounds, Darius Garland throwing the ball out of bounds, Max Drews trying to pass it to Darius Garland, and the ball landing in the stands. Like, and then later in the game, tensions flare. Usually, Donovan Mitchell is the one to bring everybody back to center. Darius Garland got an offensive foul. Just things that cannot happen in a close game down the stretch. You cannot have a team that is pushing itself to get to the playoffs, get past the first round of the playoffs, which is being considered the success for this team as of this year. But we don't have to overreact, right? We do not have to overreact. I I think perspective is important, no doubt about it, but we don't have to overreact on a night that they did not have Donovan Mitchell. 
Agreed. Because they're a completely different team. Everything points to it. They're a completely different team when Donovan Mitchell is on the court and off the court. And it's like, no duh. That's part of the reason why he's an MVP candidate this year. He's really important to them in a lot of ways. And and I think you hit on some of them. It goes beyond the points. It goes beyond the assists. It goes beyond the rebounds. He empowers his teammates a different kind of way. And the other thing is like Donovan Mitchell is at a place in his career where he is ready to compete for championships. He has that mentality. He has that understanding. He's been through the battles. Darius Garland is still learning those things. Darius Garland is still trying to get to that particular point. And you could see the way that the offense operated with Darius. And and this is no offense to him. This was all part of the growing process of a young player still. You have to learn these things. And sometimes you learn these things through failure. But Donovan Mitchell brings to every single game that he plays in a business-like attitude, a level of toughness, a level of competitiveness, a level of want to. And he is the tone setter for this basketball team for those reasons. Not only those reasons, but that's part of it. Darius plays with a little bit more flair, right? Darius plays with a little bit more pizzazz. Darius plays with a little bit more joy. Darius plays with his food too much. (laughs) Yeah, there's a looseness to his game and there's a looseness to his style. And in some cases, you do like that. And in some cases, that's really, really valuable to have. But it makes you wonder about his level of readiness for what is deemed postseason basketball compared to somebody like Donovan Mitchell. And Karis LeVert said it after the game. It's February 20-whatever-it-is at this point in time. There is no way to replicate playoff basketball in February, especially the first game after the All-Star break. But stylistically tonight, with what the Magic do defensively and how physical they are, Karis said it was kind of like a playoff game tonight. Again, not in every sense, but in some senses, it was kind of like a playoff game. And you saw just like a difference in in approach and attitude from the Cavs. And a big part of that was the fact that Donovan wasn't out there to guide them and set the tone the way that he sets the tone. And I think a lot of people were mentioning like PTSD from the Knicks series in the first round of last season because of how strong the Orlando Magic were playing against them. And I implore you that we've said it abundance of times already. Donovan Mitchell wasn't on the floor, and it's not like they got blown out. So you think about it, with Donovan Mitchell being added to that, that should be a good sign that there's a possibility to build on that. Series tied for the regular season between the two teams, if if that matters at the end of this year. So they might see each other in the postseason or in the play-in or w- whatever they might be. But it's interesting to think of Donovan Mitchell being as integral as he is. And you mentioned he brings a business-like attitude. like, And we see that a lot in post-games. He gives very much player-coach speak. But you get the perfect mix with Donovan. We've seen Donovan defend himself in situations where people have touched him in ways they shouldn't have. You see him get excited after made baskets, and you get to see the emotion from him. But you also get to see him say or act like, 
okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how things are supposed to go. And Darius Garland might not be there yet. And it's the uh, maturity thing. It's not to say that Darius Garland isn't ready to win championships. It's to say that he needs someone like Donovan Mitchell to help him get to that level. And we talk a lot about how Donovan Mitchell, fans think that Donovan Mitchell isn't going to stay in Cleveland. I want to reiterate a fact that something that Chris heard from Donovan on an away series, that Donovan's happy where he is. And that is something that this group of young guys, because they are young, majority of them, and don't have that experience, need. Because even though Donovan Mitchell hasn't gotten far in the playoffs yet, he still has the mindset of readiness to get there. Max Struess has that experience. Tristan Thompson has that experience. Those are the guys that they're going to turn to and look for. Yeah, George Niang too. And George Niang as well for leadership in those roles. But Chris, is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this one up? Because I feel like we have hit on all the key points for this Magic game and how it could entail for further in the season. No, not really. I mean... An alarmingly bad game from the Cavs bench. Orlando got 63 points off the bench. The Cavs got 24. You got to believe that that is something that's not going to happen every night. But at the same time, like George Niang needs to make a bigger impact if he's going to justify his continued minutes, right? Like Dean Wade, I don't know why he only played 13 minutes tonight. That's something that JB made a decision on. Sam Merrill played on a night that Donovan Mitchell was not out there in the first game of a back-to-back. Sam Merrill played 12 minutes. Like, JB spoke a lot about, during this grueling stretch of the schedule, leaning more into his depth and trusting his depth a little bit more. And it was only one game, but he didn't show a lot of trust in his bench. And, and maybe it was warranted, right? Because those guys did not play all that well because their numbers, both in terms of counting numbers and, and some other advanced metrics, we're not very good, but JB has to be, I think, really careful about how he handles his rotation and how he handles his bench and, and trying to find ways to get the most out of that group while at the same time, that group has to step up and deliver in those moments in a way that they definitely did not tonight against Orlando. Yeah, Chris, and I think just to wrap things up, I think, honestly, we talk about how matchups and lineups of opposing teams can impact how players' minutes get picked. And Sam Merrill obviously has been seen less in physical contests. We saw it earlier this season, and I think that has to do with why he didn't get as many minutes because he was being hounded on the defensive end, and also they had a bigger lineup offensively, so it would have been harder for him to keep up with his defensive end. Yeah, JB has said multiple times, I want to put this the right way so that people don't blow this out of proportion. A matchup for Sam Merrill against long, athletic, quick perimeter teams is not going to be very favorable. Right, and we saw him get up one tough tray ball and knock down and got fouled and was able to convert a four-point play. But other than that, the opportunities were few and far between, and it wasn't like his presence was creating so much of gravity that it usually does because Orlando Magic was in the passing lanes and making it hard 
on the defensive end by switching and getting over screens and things of that nature. So his individual man was able to keep up with Sam on majority of those opportunities. But we did see Craig Porter Jr. get in for three minutes. But, you know, it, it's good to see that JB is understanding that there's some he wanted to test out what lineups might have worked and what might not have and obviously that didn't work for them tonight and they had to go lean on their starting unit I agree with you that I was surprised that Dean Wade didn't get more minutes especially with Franz Moe and Paolo in the paint I honestly thought when they announced that Donovan wasn't going to be playing that maybe Dean would start and they go with a three big lineup, but I mean, I'm not arguing with JV Bickerstaff's decision to start Isaac. It makes sense. Uh, Obviously you want the best perimeter ball defender on the floor if you have that option. But I think with the matchups that they had, that it wouldn't have been a bad decision to go with Dean or at least to play him a little bit more. There's one more thing too. And and then then I got to go pack. This is just a number so that people are aware of it. The Cavs when trailing, after three quarters, are three and fifteen. The Cavs, when leading after three quarters, are thirty-three and three. So this is very much a front-running type team that has to show a little bit more comeback ability because it just feels like if they go behind going into the fourth quarter, they just don't have enough in terms of offensive firepower to close that gap consistently. Like, it makes sense that they hold on to leads when they go into the fourth quarter with them because they can lean on their defense and they can suffocate opponents and the pressure ramps up on the opponents and stuff like that. But they have to show a little bit more fourth quarter firepower, especially as we head into the playoffs, as that was a big time problem. It's a different team. We understand that. But that was a big time problem against the Knicks and and three and 15 when being behind going into the fourth quarter is... Well, that's not good. That's putting it lightly. With all that being said, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and me by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy. But we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from me and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.